Hey, welcome back to Keeper Talks with Kiki for part two of the interview with Tyler, Australian native and wildlife advocate, discussing the differences between Australian possums and North American opossums. Let's dive back in. So I have some more questions for you. Now, one thing that opossums get a bad reputation for, which is a total lie here, is people get afraid of them carrying or spreading rabies. And interesting thing about that is our Virginia opossums tend to naturally be immune to rabies. They have a body temperature that is too low to incubate the disease, so they can actually eat things that have rabies on it or in it and they won't get it because their body just can't pick it up and incubate it and make it spreadable. So do you find people being afraid of possums in Australia? Do you find people being afraid of them spreading disease or anything like that? Uh, absolutely. So funnily enough, although I've always been very passionate about animals, my parents were never really that type. So we grew up camping and all the rest of it, going out into the bush and running into these animals, but they never really gave us the impression that that was something that we should interact with or run along with. They kind of gave us the idea that yes, these are wild animals and they carry diseases. Um, Obviously, when you think wild animals diseases, you have that American influence and assume rabies. But in Australia, we don't have rabies. It's not something we need to worry about. Uh, there is a strain of a rabies-like disease called lysivirus, which is carried by some of our bats. So it is important at any point in Australia, if you interact with wildlife, whether it's sick, injured or healthy, um, keep in mind if they scratch or bite you, then there's a chance of you getting an infection, whether it be rabies or not. And that's always the case with any animal. It's going to be a cat or a dog. It's going to be a, a cow or a horse, or it's going to be your native Australian animals too. So the best bet is not to get scratched or bitten by them, but to enjoy them from a distance. Um, but that's not to say there's any reason to be afraid of them. They can give you Lyme disease if you allow them to bite or scratch you. But if you're not trying to hand feed these animals, that's nothing, nothing you need to worry about. Don't try pat them. Don't try pick them up. Enjoy them from a distance. This is all about cohabitating. The conservation of our current animals isn't necessarily just about making sure they have somewhere to live, but letting them encroach a little bit on our space, but having a healthy barrier between you and them. Absolutely. And same thing with Virginia opossums. They really take pretty much no interest in you as a human unless you're putting out tasty trash that they would like to get into. But they don't want to come up to you and they really, really don't want you to come up to them. Our Virginia opossums are absolute scaredy cats when it comes to seeing humans or if you inter like not even interact with them. If they see you or smell you, they really want to get away from you. So as long as you're not going up and trying to pet one, you really don't need to worry about a Virginia opossum inflicting injury on you. It does not want to be around you in the first place. So if we can just give wildlife their space to exist and as you said, coexist with them, find ways to have them in our backyard doing their thing, eating the ticks that we don't want to deal with and eating the bugs and especially Virginia opossums like to eat slugs and snails, which really damage a lot of gardens here. If we can just let them do their own thing and do our own thing and just respect each other, then we can enjoy our environment a lot more, the both of us. 
Yeah, that's absolutely the case with just about everything we do with these animals. It's making sure that your bins are secure. It's making sure that you don't leave rubbish out, not leaving food scraps out. Um, and if you are going to feed the animals in your local area, finding out the best way to do that, making sure that you're giving them food that is going to be nutrient um, it's, it's going to be nutritional for them. It's going to be ideal for them. Um, there's no point putting out food that's going to fill their stomach and they're not going to be able to get anything to it because at the end of the day, you're going to humanize that animal. And if you don't want a possum living in your roof, but you want to put fruit out for the possum, then those two things are in conflict with each other. So it's making sure that you're really taking into consideration the, the actions that you're, you're making. Exactly. And respecting the animal as a wild animal and not really trying to make it a domestic animal and then getting frustrated that it's trying to move in. Uh, another thing that opossums are really known for here is playing dead. So they are notorious for if they get too scared, if they get overwhelmed, if a car drives too close to them, they will actually get overwhelmed and pass out. They will knock themselves out for 30 minutes up to four hours. And it's really not even a choice with them. It's not like it's, a tactic that they think of and they're threatened by a predator and they think I'm going to play dead and that'll get the predator to leave me alone. They literally get overwhelmed to the point of passing out. So that's kind of a funny thing. We talk about playing possum here is basically playing dead. Is that something that Australian possums do ever? No, so typically Australian possums, although they might smell dead and make some noises that sound like something from hell, uh, they are normally quite a bold little animal. So you spotlight them out in your backyard, what you're going to notice is they're going to freeze and stand very still and hope you didn't actually see them. They're not very clever. This comes back to that same marsupial thing. They never developed the ability to survive with something that might take an interest in them if they're still alive. So they figure if they stay very still, the thing that's trying to look at them will walk away very slowly and they can get back to whatever they were doing. They don't really have those same sort of defense mechanisms that the opossums have. And I imagine that's probably got something to do with those opossums evolving alongside those placental mammals, which Australian marsupials haven't really had to do in any form other than bats and in the recent few thousand years dingoes which have become a bit of a naturalized species the aussie ark started out as devil ark a facility for the tasmanian devil and so that's currently where i'm recording this podcast from is aussie ark up where we have around 200 tasmanian devils and um, they aren't really an animal that's going to hunt anything down but they're going to put uh, the, the fear of God into any animal running around on the ground. So they are a scavenger. They're constantly on the run looking around for things. And thylacine was a little bit more of a better hunter, the Tasmanian tiger. Um, but even still, they weren't wiping out any any species. So that, that little niche that those two fit into that um, started to disappear as the climate changed and as the introduction of the dingo meant that their role as a scavenger wasn't so important anymore... Um, they, they filled it really well. And that really goes to show in our ecosystems before the introduction of cats and foxes, that which happened for us around that 1800 period. So in the last 200 years, we've seen some heavy declines in many of our Australian mammals. I'm so glad there are people like you and facilities like Aussie Ark that are really working to turn that tide. Yeah, we're a very fortunate organisation that has a lot of close partners. So if you do check out 
the Aussie Ark website, aussieark.org.au. You can learn a little bit more about the animals we work with, which isn't just restricted to Tasmanian devils, but you can learn a little bit about our partners as well, like Global Wildlife Conservation and Wild Ark, which have uh, worked very closely with us to make sure we can conserve habitat and these species for the future. We're very, very fortunate to have such passionate partners willing to help us uh, work to make sure these animals aren't just for us, but uh, for our not just our grandkids, but our great, 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 great grandkids. We, we really want to be making sure that we aren't um, making this an okay habitat for them, but learning to cohabitate with these animals as well. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. In every podcast episode, I really like to share a fun fact about the animal. So I think my favorite fun fact about the opossums is the one that I have already covered about them playing dead for four hours at a time. It just cracks me up, the idea that they get so panicked and the way that they deal with it is literally passing out and hoping that by the time they wake up that the threat is gone. And if it isn't, oh well, like we're going to try that. So that's my favorite fun fact about them is just their tendency to play dead for that long. Uh, do you have a favorite fun fact about your favorite Australian possum species? Uh, I will think about it for a hot minute, but what I'd like to ask on that subject is, mm -hmm. do you know whether that uh, short period of them passing out is a form of torpor or whether it is its own type of kind of met metabolic shutdown? Yeah, so from my understanding, it's not a form of torpor or hi hibernation. It is just a sensory overload for them. So they're so sensory overwhelmed by the situation that they just knock themselves out and they commit to it to the point where they actually sometimes defecate on themselves to make themselves smell even more like a dead animal. So it's a very committed act, but it's not really a form of torpor or hibernation. That is full dramatic that is meta dramatic that's as much oh, yeah. as it really gets oh yeah i'll get into my fun facts about possums so i'm not sure if you're familiar but a young marsupial just like a, a young bear is a cub or a young dog is a pup all young marsupials are joeys so yeah kangaroos wombats koalas possums tassie devils they're all joeys um that's something that we have to constantly remind ourselves in Australia. So I feel like it's something to remind people from uh, across the world as well. Um, yeah. But I don't want to stop at just one. Australia, Australians' possums have a couple of fun facts. So okay. um, typically you will find possums in trees that are very tall and have lots of hollows in them. But something that the common ringtail possum does is make this perfectly spherical nest that has a single opening. And so it looks kind of like a, a, a small basketball or like a soccer ball. And they spend the entire day in there. They're just this perfect little ball. And it looks as snug as you could possibly imagine for these animals to spend all day in. So that's where they'll hide their young if they need to escape without them crawling on their back. And it's where they'll spend every single night just enjoying themselves. Oh, that's so cute. They're so cozy. I love that. Now, do you have any funny stories about possums that you'd like to share? Uh, yeah, so up where I am currently at the 
Barrington Tops, where Aussie Ark is situated, it gets a little bit cold in the winter months, so we need to occasionally split a bit of wood. And so a co-worker of mine, as we finished up the day, said, no worries, guys, you go in, you take your wet boots off and dry off. I'll split the wood outside, and you guys go in and get comfortable. So we're thinking, yeah, no worries. He knows how to use a an axe, a log splitter, to split the wood. We're inside for no more than... 10 seconds before we hear a scream and so we rush outside thinking he's chopped a toe off or at least um could have put a good sized gash in the side of his leg and he's there cackling leaning on the axe while we see the tail end of a brush tail possum running off and so what had happened is he split the log right underneath a tree not noticing there's a brushtail possum right above him and it must have just been casually cruising along the branch and as he came down with that log splitter on the first swing it jumped off the branch onto his shoulder and scared the crap out of both him and the possum and they both kind of turned tailed and ran in their own direction so that was about as good as you can get with interacting with a possum indirectly yeah oh that would if if that had been me i would have accidentally chopped my own leg off no doubt about it i would have been so scared (laughs) i'm very glad that your friend is okay because i would not have been i would say with opossums the coolest experience i've had with them was actually a pretty sad one at the same time it was i was actually in the car with my mother and we were driving and about the time when we pulled into our driveway we saw an opossum had been hit on the road and it was about April so we knew that they were marsupials which a lot of people forget about here in the United States so we knew there was a strong chance that she would have babies in her pouch or joeys in her pouch so my mom asked me to hop out of the car and go check and see if the possum was moving at all or if I should try to get my dad to come bring up a shovel and move it off the road and I went over to it and saw that the Mother was definitely deceased, but there were joeys in her pouch moving around that I could see. So we got her in a box and took the... We didn't want to take the joeys out of the pouch because we didn't want them to get really chilled very quickly. So we figured we'd let them stay with their mother's warmth for the time being and took them to a wildlife rehabilitator. And they were actually rehabilitated successfully and released back out into the wild. So... That was kind of cool, but also kind of sad. It's a good reminder to if there is a marsupial that's been hit on the road, there's a strong chance if it's springtime that they do have joeys in the pouch. So always good to keep that in mind and call somebody if you're not comfortable handling the situation yourself. If you're not an animal professional, calling somebody that can come check that out and make sure that those joeys get the help that they need if they are in the pouch. Yeah, and following on to that, with being an Australian that lives alongside many, many marsupials, um, if anyone uh, listening is Australian or anyone that's planning on visiting Australia, if you do happen to see any wildlife on the side of the road that's clearly deceased, we have many animals in Australia which are considered perpetual, perpetual breeders, which are animals that can breed all year round. There's any chance of there being a baby in a pouch of a dead animal pretty much any time you drive past once. So um, take the time, if it's safe to do so, take a squiz inside that pouch. And if it's a little animal, you can take the whole carcass. Um, 
one of the unfortunate things in Australia is if you do happen to find a small kangaroo in a kangaroo pouch, if you remove it from the teat, you can do quite severe damage to that joey. Um, if you can't take the whole carcass, similar to what Kiki has just said, call a local professional. Then the best bet is look for your local vets or call an organization like Wires or Fauna, which can then take that animal from that point, hand rear it. And if you try to hand rear it home, I guarantee you're not going to rear it in a way where it can be released back into the wild. These organizations train their individuals to do this in such a perfect way that they can make it back to the wild. That's not the case with every animal. So uh, I very much implore you to get them to a wildlife specialist. Absolutely. And one interesting thing about marsupial teats is that when the baby latches on, as Tyler was talking about with kangaroos, that teat actually expands and becomes almost like a tube feeder. So when the baby is born, we talked about how tiny the joey is. It's got a very underdeveloped digestive tract. So the teat kind of is almost like tube feeding the baby to its stomach until that digestive tract develops. So it's not like a human baby or a cat or a dog that is just suckling from the teat. The teat is really inside of the baby animal. So to rip it off or try to manage manage it off of its parents tea is really putting the baby at danger especially when it's a very small joey so really good to call an animal professional if you're in the united states you could call animal control you could call your local vet most local vets have wildlife rehabilitator contacts that they can put you into contact with or if you take the animal to your local vet and they won't treat it they should be able to refer you to a wildlife rehabilitator well, I think we've gone through all of our questions, so I just have one final question to wrap up for you. Tyler, what is your favorite animal? Well, it's a tough question. There is quite a few to pick from. Personally, I've always been drawn to elephants. There's something about the big ears and the big trunk that does it for me. Um, recently, it's been otters, the favorite rock. Um, that really pulls at my heartstrings, but if it has to be a favorite Australian animal, spotted tailed quolls, they are fantastic animals. They are somewhere between a possum and a cat. Um, they are just these spectacular, perfect predators for what they do. Um, but they also have a bit of a sweet side to them. So if you don't know anything about spotted-tailed quolls, have a look about them. Ozark will be doing some work with them in the near future. We're currently working with eastern quolls, but spotted-tailed quolls are one I'm really looking forward to. So, um, yeah, that's definitely got to be up there with my, my top three. Yeah, those are absolute cuties. If you've never seen what a quoll looks like, give that a Google as well. That's Q-U-O-L-L, -L, right? Am I spelling that right? Q -U Correct. That's it. Okay. So yeah, give that a uh, look up. They are such cute animals. Well, thank you. I, I just want to thank you for making time for this today, Tyler. I had a lot of fun having this conversation about possums versus opossums with you. And it's just been really great talking with you and getting to know Australian wildlife a bit better. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, if you need any more help with some Australian animals in the future, you know where to find me. Awesome. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you.
awesome. You can give Tyler a follow on Instagram at keeper underscore salty. You can also follow AussieArk at AussieArk on Instagram and keep up with the great work that they're doing for Australian wildlife. I hope that you really enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it a ton. Check out the episode highlights that I put on my Instagram and my Facebook. They're highlight videos with the animals that are featured in the podcast episodes and they're really short and fun. I hope you don't get overwhelmed with stress this week and pass out for a couple hours like no possum, but hey, you know, it happens to the best of us. And I hope you have a great rest of your week. Make sure you share this episode with your friends and family and tune back in next time for another Keeper Talks with Kiki.